Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Stephen Keller for today's message. How many of y'all have been enjoying the series we've been doing called Bought Back? Yes. I love this series. You know, we pray, Pastor Paul and I, we pray about where we're going as a church, what we're going to be teaching on. And, and when we were talking about this series, the heart of it, just so you guys know, the heart of this series is to show you the substance of your relationship with God. And, and not just the substance, but also the length that Jesus went to and able to make this relationship possible. How, how do you determine something's value? By what somebody's willing to pay for it, right? Something's value is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for you. What he did here, he did so that you could freely enter in to relationship with him. That's how valuable you are. You were worth dying on a cross for. Listen, listen, right off the bat, if, if man, if, if you deal with insecurity, if you feel like you're not worth it, if you feel like you're, you're not valuable, fix your eyes on Jesus. Can we pull up Hebrews 12, verse 2? I love this scripture. Pastor Paul's been utilizing this scripture as kind of an introduction as to where we're going in this series. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. Fixing our eyes on who? Okay, y'all can do better than that. Fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. Come on, y'all love Jesus? Me too. All right. Fixing our eyes on him, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the what? The joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why did he do that? For the joy set before him. What was that joy? Come on. Y'all got it. What was that joy? It was. It was you. Me too. Hey, come on. Us, Rhonda. Come on. Just keep it on keeping on. Us, us, us. Got it. Relationship with you was what made Jesus go, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. It wasn't easy. But that's how he said, okay, Father, if there's any other way, but if not, let's go. Because I want relationship with these people. There's a joy that I see before me in relationship with these people, not just other people, you. You personally. That's beautiful. So that said, We enter into said relationship by embracing what he did on that cross, right? Uh, The truth of it is, though, is sometimes we we enter into that relationship, and how many of y'all know things aren't always easy, breezy, beautiful, cover girl, right? It's It's not like you enter into this relationship and everything automatically works perfect. What relationship have you ever been in where everything automatically worked perfect? None? Okay. Thank you for your honesty. Me neither. You know, and and the truth of it is, is today I want to talk about being bought back from a specific mindset 
that tends to keep us from experiencing the fullness of God that I think he genuinely desires us to experience in relationship with him. Is that okay to talk about? Do y'all want to talk about something that might be standing in the way of us delving deeper into this relationship? I want to talk about it, but you know what I don't want to do? I don't just want to talk about it and say, too bad, so sad. Cry me a river, you know? I want to move on. I want to move deeper into this relationship. So, what's this mindset that I speak of? How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase, the grass is greener on the other side? Y'all ever heard of that? Yeah, me too. I don't like that phrase. I don't like that phrase very much. Now, now listen, if you've recently been believing that, um, knock it off. <laughs> Simply put, stop it. Now, I'm going to back up that stop it with some power of God that you can inject in and actually live it out because me just saying stop it is not really equipping you. But I just want to tell you there's something better than, than being robbed of the joy of the present by looking to the future or looking at some other circumstance that you think is going to fulfill you, but really your fulfillment needs to be found in him. So, grass is greener on the other side. Where do you think this thought process came from? <laughs> Did you say looking at the grass? That's, that's more profound than anybody's realizing. But that's so true on so many levels. Like on a natural level, you walk into my backyard and you'll be like, the grass is literally greener on the other side. As in like my neighbors, you know. But on a deeper level, that's true, and we're going to talk about that because that's legit. But where did it originate? In the garden? That's right, in the Garden of Eden. The first people, well, yeah, the first humans to embrace this thought process were Adam and Eve. Now, now think about this. Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. How many of y'all think the Garden of Eden was pretty baller? Yeah, baller means good for those of you who are like, huh, baller, you're welcome. <laughs> how many of y'all think the Garden of Eden was pretty awesome? Oh, uh, how many of y'all think the Garden of Eden was pretty awesome? Come on, wake up church, there we are. Me too, and, and I, you know, I think that the Garden of Eden is a pretty good example of everything being perfect. You know, uh, you got these two people that God created. You got everything he created for them in the first place. You have the task of humanity laid out uh, uh, uninterrupted by a bunch of nonsense. You have people hanging out with God in the cool of the day, which in the winter here sounds terrifying. On a day like this, we're like, cool of the day hangs. Amen. I put my white pants on for y'all. It's summertime. Yeah, you know it, man. Summertime. Keep your ketchup away from me, though. Anyways, they had it perfect, right? The Garden of Eden was like, okay, this rules. God looked at it. God looked at the garden pre-man and was like, yeah, this is good. He put humanity in it. He said, this is real good. I don't think he said it with a Texan accent. I don't know why I said it with a Texan accent. 
real good. Because I don't know, there's something about that real, yeah, it's nice. But anyways, so perfection. Circumstances were ideal in the garden, right? Everything was as good as it could have possibly been. And then a lie is introduced. Well, there's something better over there. You don't know what you're missing out on. There's something better over there. The grass is greener over there, outside of what God has shown you, outside of God's instruction, outside of God's presence. The grass is greener. So what happens? Adam and Eve, they buy into the line, or they buy into the lie, right? And would it be safe to say that the grass died? The land is cursed from there. Things turn out pretty nasty. And so, the reason I bring that up is because even in the midst of perfect circumstance, people can be tempted to think this. Even in the midst of beautiful relationship with God, people can be tempted to think this way. Well, you don't have it good enough. What you got's not good enough. Many, 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 many. That's the voice of the serpent. You know what we do to that voice? We give it a good old-fashioned shh, quiet. So, can we talk about the remedy to this thought process? Because this thought process interrupts things on, on numerous levels. You know, we think that that promotion is going to make us happy. We think that that, that relationship is going to make us happy. You know, I talk about this stuff. Y'all have heard me talk about this stuff when I, when I talk to people about like, hey, you need Jesus, right? I'm like, hey, listen, nothing in the world is going to fulfill you. So stop pursuing it in the world. Pursue it in him, and voila. But something happens on the other side of embracing this relationship with him. Sometimes we begin to look at the grass and put our hope in things rather than in the creator. And so, let's look at some scripture. Is that okay? Y'all want to read some Bible this morning? Cool. Let's pull up Philippians 4. We'll start in verse 10. So, before I start reading, y'all need to know this. The Apostle Paul... Y'all know where he wrote this from? Jail. Yeah, he wrote this in prison. Okay? So just a little bit of context. Think about the wild stuff that he's about to say from the context of him writing it in prison. Okay? First of all, he said, I rejoiced. Who are How are you rejoicing in prison, bro? Uh, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Just for context's sake, so you know what this is talking about, the Apostle Paul here is saying that, hey, Philippian church, I realized that you, there was a situation where you wanted to give, you didn't have the opportunity to give, and now you have been given the opportunity to give, and you give thanks. Okay? Does that make sense of that? Uh, verse 11 goes on to say this. 
Not that I speak from want. A man in prison is saying, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be, buckle up kids, here we go, content in whatever circumstances I am. Can we read that last part in bold together? Content in whatever circumstances I am. Y'all are really quiet. Can we read it one more time loudly? Content in whatever circumstances I am. Reading on, verse 12. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In what? Any and what? Every circumstance. In any and every circumstance, the Apostle Paul is saying here that he has learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. What is this secret? How can I be content regardless of circumstances? How can I get off the roller coaster of emotion that is based solely along circumstances? You know what I mean? If things are going great, woo! If things are going terrible, I hate myself. Right? Hey, Christians, that ain't your life. God's got better things for you, I promise. I promise you that on the authority of God's word. I promise you there is a contentment that can only be found in him that no matter what's going on, you can be good with him. That's beautiful. So, what are some of the things? Again, I kind of listed these off. What is the secret? Where can I find the secret? Pastor Stephen, tell me the secret, please. Please. I know that's what deep down y'all are saying right now. I'm just vocalizing your desire for the word, you know. Here are some of the things that we think are the secret. Promotions, marriages. Hey, uh, couples who are seeing each other, marriage is not going to fix your relationship. You need to know that, okay? Um, couples, kids are not going to fix your relationship, okay? You need to know that. Um, they're not going to fix your life either. Different relationships, perhaps? Well, I don't really like my relationship, but ooh, wow, wow. I guarantee you, you dive into something over there, you're going to find yourself right back at square one. Grass ain't greener, baby. So, that ain't the secret. I promise you, that's not the secret. When everyone else figures things out, do you know what I'm saying? Well, I, when everyone else just gets their stuff taken care of and they stop treating me this way, then I can be content. When everybody treats me perfectly, hello, Jesus, was he treated perfectly? I got like four no's. <laughs> Guys, this is a simple question. Was Jesus treated perfectly? No. Was Jesus perfect? Yes. yes. Okay, good job. I was waiting for a no. I was like, shh, quiet down. They're there. And so listen, people's, people's reactions to you 
cannot determine your contentment. And people will react in really weird ways. I promise you that. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten up and I've told people God loves them unapologetically and someone comes up and they're bitter about that message. But you know what that's not going to do? That's not going to change the message. Don't let people in their judgments determine you and your peace. There is no such thing as the green grass of perfect reaction to you. It's not going to happen, so don't fantasize about it. It's fake. It's fake. It's fake. It's fake. And you need to know that Jesus said time and time again, this isn't in my notes, but somebody needs to hear it. Jesus said time and time and time again, in this world, you have trouble. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. He's saying, guys, I am where life and truth and victory are found. So don't, don't, don't buy into that lie. None of those things will fulfill you. Some of them are impossible. But none of those things are actually going to bring you the peace, the fulfillment, and the satisfaction that you need. So don't give in to that lie. Okay? 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 Yeah, okay, yes, amen, amen? Okay, maybe amen is what I need to say, you know. Amen? Amen. Cool. Great. So what's the secret? Oh, hell. Let's look at verse 13. You all know what this came after? Verse 12, which is what we just read. He's saying, I know the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now listen, this, this is a powerful scripture, and, and the bummer is, is sometimes we just put this up as a banner when things are all going great. You know what I mean? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bagging on that. Listen, I love that we celebrate accomplishments by saying, I'm doing this because God. But you know what? This also ought to be a banner in the midst of tribulation. This ought to be something that we look at and we go, okay, circumstances, you don't look too pretty. But you know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that good? Isn't that beautiful? Now, this requires you to be candid with yourself. This requires you to not play make-believe with yourself and pretend that things that are not okay are okay. That is not faith. Did you hear me? Faith is not pretending that you are not in pain. Faith is saying, I am in pain, but God is greater. That's faith. Faith is admitting your need of God, inviting him into that need, and then walking it out. Does that sound okay? That's the life we're called to live, you guys. So, contentment. Can we go back to verse 12? Let's go back to verse 11. There it is. 
contentment. How many of y'all hear the word contentment and you're like, I want to strive for contentment? You know, it ain't that pretty of a word. You know, we're like, content, that just doesn't sound sassy enough, you know? Like, there ain't enough flair on content. You know, we're not like, contentment, you know, yeah. But what you need to know is that contentment is not synonymous with complacency. Did you hear me? Contentment does not mean the same thing as complacency. Now, let me explain that. I am not saying that God will not call you into some awesome, mind-blowing, new things where you are moving elsewhere, okay? What I am saying is that God will call you to do some wild stuff, but he wants you all the way along the journey to realize that the grass is green from here to there. Do not take a promise of God, make that green grass, and say, well, right here and right now, and on the journey to get to that green grass, everything else is dying. That's not the situation, church. I'm on green grass right here, right now. I'm on green grass, green grass. Come on if you got some green grass. I'm going to get funky with it. I don't even care. Green grass all day. Every day, every circumstance. I don't care where you are. I don't care what thing is barking at you. How good naturally or bad naturally things look, there is a rest and a peace and a strength. I like that. I like that when he said, I've learned the secret to being content. He went on to to explain what contentment in a Christian life looks like. It's yielding to the power of God. That's what it says in verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, if Christ's strength working in your life is not a pretty enough of a term for you, I don't know what will be. I want to be content regardless of circumstance. Y'all want that? Cool. Okay. So, come on, Mary. I hear you. Let's go. I need to tell you this a couple of times because y'all are going to be like, Pastor Stephen said that I'm not supposed to do anything and I'm just supposed to sit down in the green grass that I have right here and right now and anything over there is not what God wants for me and I'm just supposed to be happy here. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. You know, that's, it's, it's just, it's, it, listen, hear me. That's not what I'm saying. If you come to me after the service or throughout the week and you're like, Pastor Stephen... I'm going to be like, what? And you're going to be like, I don't like how you told us just to sit down in our muck. I'm going to be like, I told you that I was going to tell you that I didn't tell you to sit down in your muck. I believe that where you are, even in the muck, naturally speaking, God is with you. That makes that green pasture. And whatever he shows you that you're about to walk into, that makes that green pasture. In a life where you are literally the temple of God because you have Holy Spirit living in you. Huh. That makes everywhere we go God's place. I love that. So, let's look at some scripture. Matthew, chapter 6. Wow, I have time. Praise the Lord, you guys. 
first service, I was like, y'all, we're going into overtime right now, you know. <laughs> Matthew 6, let's jump down to verse 31. Here we go. What do red letters mean? Jesus spoke them. Okay, so what we're about to read is all words that Jesus said while he was here in his earthly ministry. He said this. He said, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? Verse 32. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Now, what in the world is a Gentile? Well, a Gentile, simply put, is someone who doesn't know God. Okay? So this is saying that somebody who doesn't know God is all wrapped up in circumstance. They're all wrapped up in pursuit, and not just any old pursuit, eager pursuit, according to what that says. The Gentiles eagerly seek all these what? Things. The godless have a tendency to focus on things because they think that the things will be life to them. I've been there. I've done that, both before and after embracing Jesus as Lord, to be honest. That's an equation for disaster. There is no life other than in the source of life. Jesus, who said, I am the way, hello, I am the truth, hello, and I am the what? He's the source of life. He is life. There is only life found in him. And when we receive him as Lord, we seek him to inject his life and his love into every situation by the power of Holy Spirit who's living in you. So check out, check out the, the contrast here. This says the, the, the godless eagerly seek all of these things. They get worried about stuff. You know, Christian life should be free of worry. Woo! I'm tempted to drop that mic, but we just bought them. Ouchiwawa. That hurts me too, honestly. Like, I'm like, oh, pastor. You know? And I'm not saying that to condemn anybody. Listen, listen, the reason why Jesus said, this is the way I want things to be, is because that then makes us go, okay, cool, that's possible in Christ. Let's receive those things. Holy Spirit, I know you can do it in me because I can't do that on my own as I am wildly aware of. Worry-free. Why? Because we don't seek satisfaction in the greener grass. In the greener grass. I feel like I should do quotations every time that I do that, but that's going to get really annoying. And it's kind of strange looking, you know? Why, why do we do it twice? Shouldn't we do like one and then one on the other side of it? You know what I'm saying? Like open quote, close quote. Oh, the spread. That was good, Nate. I like that. But the contrast here, do you guys see this contrast between the way that that, the godless do things and the way that we do things? Okay, maybe you're not seeing it. Check it out. The godless eagerly seek all these things, but or for your heavenly father knows that you need all this stuff. Interesting. 
but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all that stuff will be added unto you. Huh. This is not a matter of what should you seek as your greener grass. This is a matter of who you should seek for greener grass. This is saying, don't seek all the stuff to bring you life. And God's not against stuff, okay? He's not. He goes on to say that he's going to give you what you need to eat. He's going to give you clothes. He's going to give you that stuff. But he's more concerned with you finding your worth, your life, your satisfaction in him. And then he knows everything that you need, and he takes care of you. You're, you're, don't try to churn up the stuff without the source of the stuff. It's a stupid, empty pursuit, I promise you. And I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm not calling you stupid. I'm saying that thought is stupid. Don't believe it. It's a lie of the devil. So, y'all like the stuff Jesus says? Me too. So, I'm going to read you some stuff. Is that okay? Y'all okay with me reading you some notes? Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure some things get said here. Are you seeking things or are you seeking him? Rather than seeking all of the individual satisfactions, again, I'm going to do satisfactions. There we go. Seek the satisfier. Okay? Rather than seeking the individual satisfactions, seek the satisfier and he will take care of you and he will satisfy you. But don't make the pursuit of things your God. That's, that's, I know idolatry sounds like such an epic word, you know? We're like, idolater, you know? But basically, you know what idolatry is? Is it's whenever we take our eyes off of Jesus and put it on something else. That's all it is. It's when something else gets more attention than Jesus Christ. Whoa. Now, I'm not saying every moment of your life is going to be like, Jesus, 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 I'm trying to visualize your face, Shroud of Turin, looking at the ceiling, seeing your real face, because I looked at some shadow thing on Facebook. Y'all ever seen that? No? There's this, okay, so type it into Google. It's pretty dope. You know, it's like Google uh, Jesus illusion. Do this, and it's going to like pull up this blot thing that if you stare at it long enough, and then you look up and you close your eyes, you see Jesus, and it's like, whoa! Anyways. I'm not saying that every moment of your life you need to be visualizing Jesus and nothing else can vie for your attention. I'm saying anything that vies for your attention, inject it with the love in the life of God and the Holy Spirit has been shed abroad in your heart already, done deal, live it out. And you're going to find life breathed into things that you've been calling dead. You're going to find that the very grass that you're standing on is greener than you could have ever imagined. I love the along the journey aspect of it. I love that. I love that. Don't, don't be robbed of the joy of the present or the journey. Okay? You know, sometimes it's so strange how we can do this. It's like opportunities from God arise and 
you see the promise out there and you're so frustrated about where you are currently and then you fix your eyes on your frustration of present circumstance and, and you're just miserable from here to there. Don't do that. It's not worth it. No matter where you are, remember, God is with you. He does not leave you. He does not forsake you. He will bring life to the here and now. Do you believe that? Yeah. Me too. That's good. Okay, can I rock y'all with a scripture that I just absolutely love? Psalm 23. How many y'all know about Psalm 23? Cool. Treat it like you don't. Okay, I don't want y'all like reciting this like y'all already know it, okay? You know it, that's good. I'm glad you have this memorized. That's very good, good job. But let's see what God has in it, okay? Let's look at this with fresh eyes. Psalm 23, verse one. The Lord, I love all caps. I love that the Bible validates all caps, you know? The Lord is my shepherd. I what? Okay, that was weak. I what? Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. That's why. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's keep going. Verse 2. Oh, baby. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Green Acres is the place for me. I'm sorry, I had to. I'm going to stop it there, though, because farm living ain't the life for me, or whatever it goes on to say there. Like, I hear farm living, I'm like, you could keep that to yourself, you know? But Green Acres are the place for you. But you know what I like? The experience of green pasture it's not me, Mr. Busy, busy, busy body. I'm going to work myself into this. I'm going to get every, oh, how much can I do to experience green pastures? No, I like this. It's like the Lord makes you what? Lie down. Oh, wow. Chill out. Christians, chill out. Stop taking yourself so seriously. Okay? I don't even know what that has to do with this. Stop it. Just relax for a moment. You see, because uh, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but that's okay. The way that culture sees success is busyness, right? That's why we're constantly trying to prove ourselves to one another by saying, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. Huh? How many of y'all respond to that question? How are you doing? Busy. Oh, I'm busy. Can I tell you how busy I am? Please, just let me prove myself to you with my busyness. The Lord ain't impressed with your busyness. Hmm? Now, he likes that you follow him into sometimes wild things. Like this last week, I don't even know what happened to me. I'm all over the place. It's been great. It's been busy. But you know what? It's been full of God. 
It's been full of God. And when we look at our stuff as busyness, we tend to dread it. We turn godly opportunities into dread-filled problems when really they were meant to be met with the life of God in the first place. If you will just commit to take every step and every day seeking the satisfier, you're going to see yourself and those around you satisfied because of God's influence in you and through you. That's why Matthew 6, I mean, we didn't even go there, but we're going to go there. You ready, media booth? Matthew 6, 34. This is after Jesus said all that stuff about, hey, man, seek me first, and then all this stuff will be added unto you. This is how he summed that whole shebang up. This was Jesus' mic drop of that paragraph. He says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day, each day, Jesus is so honest, I love him. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Stop living in the trouble of tomorrow. You ain't there. And you don't have the grace currently to live in the tomorrow. You have the grace to live today led by the Spirit of God because you are actually present rather than dreading the future in your imagination. You are fully present in the moment to say, Holy Spirit, I know you're in me. I want you to lead me here and now. Wake up! Go, I am here today. And I am going to follow God today, here in this moment, now. When you find yourself dreading and worrying about the future. And I know this happens. This happens to me regularly. Interrupt that. Interrupt that by going, that's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. And each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay, so Jesus told me that it's today, this is complicated, it's today, tomorrow is tomorrow, and I'm supposed to live led by him when? Today. Okay, so what should I not be overwhelmed about? Tomorrow. Amen. I know this is simple. It's simple to preach. It ain't so simple to live sometimes, and I understand that. Okay? I understand that. I understand that, man, man, the enemy is not friendly. You know, he's not. But if I can make you aware of what his voice sounds like, then, hey, you can hear these lies, and you can go, that's a lie. That's a lie. I'm not going to buy into all this dread, all this worry, all this anxiety that's associated with the day that I do not currently have grace for. I'm going to walk today out led by the Spirit of God, and that's gonna, you're going to see some wild stuff happen. I'll tell you what, people's lives are going to be impacted in ways you don't even know. You're also going to ruffle some feathers. Amen? Amen. People aren't automatically going to love you. Hashtag Jesus. That's a good hashtag. I'm cautious to use it because people might throw it on things that are not Jesus, but that's a Jesus thing. Hashtag Jesus. Don't worry about tomorrow, okay? Amen? There it is. Okay, I need to realize that okay does not work. 
verse 2. Wow, we didn't make it to verse 2 of Psalm 23, did we? This is like Bible study at God Company, you know? We're like, we're going to go through a whole chapter tonight. We get through like four verses, you know? It's like, okay, that was ambitious. Next week. Okay, so verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. This is, again, this is talking about the Lord's influence on your life. He does not say, busy be yourself into the green pasture. He says, chill out, enter in to me, enter into my presence. And, and your working of that out might look exciting, and it might look busy, but you're not going to be wrapped up in anxiety. That's the big difference. And you're actually going to be fulfilled by whatever it is because you're not seeking for that thing to give you fulfillment. You're letting the giver of things fulfill you for that moment. Is this making sense? Cool. Okay. So he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Yo, I love me some quiet waters. I got these headphones now. And like some of y'all know me. I can be a little intense. You're like, it's okay. I'll give you this laugh, and then it will be followed by a rebuke. How dare you? Oh, you laughing now, huh? Um, <laughs> you know, when I study, when I study, I need total isolation. I need, I need just like, you know, I need to zone in, you know? And so that's why sometimes, Mary, you know, on Mundays when you show up, sometimes my door is closed. That's what I'm doing in there. I'm like, you know? But I got my headphones on, you know? And I hear the still waters. It's beautiful. I got this little, like, ocean app. It plays me ocean noises in here. I'm just like, shh. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm in the garden. Lord, let's hang out in the breeze of the day. Show me whatever it is I need to see. And this is real. Like, I know I'm, like, joking, but I'm only half joking. This is real, you know? Like, I'm laying out, man. Praise the Lord for this weather, y'all. Enjoy it. Go outside. Experience God's presence, man. Go hang out with them outdoors, indoors, wherever you are. Hang out with them. It's green grass, baby. Anyways, we need to move on. Verse 3. He restores my what? Hey, y'all are before I even ask the what. I like this. He restores your soul. Nothing other than the Lord can restore your soul. Now, you might give your soul a little high, but your soul is followed pretty quickly with a pretty low low. I've been there. I'm not saying that, 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 that pursuing temporal satisfaction does not have temporal highs it does i've been there i've experienced that stuff but you know what inevitably happens you come to a place where you're like oh i just feel like milk you know how many of y'all have ever felt like milk some of y'all are lying i know y'all felt like milk before i'm not willing to admit it you feel like milk you know but he will restore you from the milk he will, even if you've been pursuing things that, that, that didn't need to be pursued. You know what repent means? It means change. Literally, it means to change direction. Okay? So what this means is, again, repentance very clearly could be uh, tied into this whole thing in that fix your eyes on Jesus. That's repentance. Whatever you're seeking satisfaction from other than him, 
Take your eyes off of that, put them on Jesus. He'll do that. And he will restore your soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So listen, realize that your grass is greener, whether your grass is green or not, is not circumstantial, it's relational. Okay? Your grass is green because you are founded upon your relationship with him. You are letting him make you lay down. I love that because I don't know about y'all, but like I'm a busybody. And sometimes our busyness is attempting to distract us from the true nature of our soul. Did you hear me? Sometimes we don't like to confront how meh we actually feel, so we keep on throwing on things to keep distracting ourselves. And then we go home and we hate ourselves before we go to sleep. Nighttime can be the worst time when you're living a godless life. I know that personally. I would distract myself all day, you know? And, then I would, and, and now we can like Instagram ourselves to sleep, so it's even more dangerous, you know? But I remember, I remember how painful it was at nighttime because I was actually confronted with stillness and with silence. I was actually confronted with, with the condition of my soul without all the stuff to distract me. Check this out. Uh, again, one of my favorite things, and I don't know what I said in first service or second service, so I'm going to say this anyways. If I already said it, hey, you get it twice. Awesome. When people ask us, how are you? And we say busy. What does that point to? That points to all the stuff, right? Now, the assumption is when you're pointing to all of the stuff in busyness, we go, okay, well, wow, they've, they've got it rough right now. And sometimes we play that for the pity card. You know, we want people to be like, oh, poor you, you cute little thing. You're going to make it, you know. And you are going to make it. And God wants to encourage you and he wants to help you. I'm not saying you can't ever come to me and be like, yo, I'm busy. You know, because I'm going to be like, all right, let's invite God into this, you know. But when somebody asks you that question, what if instead of saying busy, you said, you know what, I'm feeling pretty rested. What do you think the other person's going to do? They might slap you. Just sounded like, what did you just say? You're what? You're rested? And people know what you got going on. People know that every human being is busy, especially in this day and age. So a response like, I'm rested, or you know what? In here, I'm feeling really good. You know, that's how the world might understand that. If you're with somebody that like knows the Christian vocab, maybe you could go, my soul's feeling pretty restored. But if I just said that to somebody on the street, they'd be like, okay. You know, but you be you, you know. That's fine. Again, we're weird, but so are they, you know. Everybody's a little weird. It's good, you know. But what does a response like that do? It doesn't mean, ha, 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 I'm rested, you're not, you know. That's not the point. What that would cause me to do is I would be led to a place of intrigue, right? I'd be like, 
wait a minute. I know what you got going on. How are you rested? How do you have a soul that is restored? And doesn't that lead you into a conversation talking about the actual influence that God has had on your life? Right? I love that. I love when we can frame a conversation not around just concepts that we believe reciting creeds to one another. The world is not concerned about your creed. The godless are not concerned about scripture verses, honestly. People want to know the genuine impact that God has in people's lives, and they also want to know the heart of God. And when we will live that stuff out transparently, people are going to be like, okay, I want something to do with that. My soul could use a good old-fashioned restoring. And so you go, do you have peace? That's, that, that, might be the, that, that might be the way to say it. Instead of saying, is your soul restored? You might say, do you have peace? Like at the end of the day, do you have peace? And if people are like, no, I don't. Say, cool, the grass can be green right where you are. You have to keep running elsewhere, putting your hope in emptiness. You can have God fill this moment in this situation here and now. Amen? Amen? Y'all alive? I know it's nice outside, okay? I was tempted to have church outside, but I feel like Pastor Paul and Dana would be, you know, like, hey, man, now they have to come inside. What have you done? You know, <laughs> not fair, you know. So uh, one last thing. Can y'all deal with one more, one more point here? Okay, I'm going to read you some stuff. Hopping from this pursuit to that one, we come to realize that the grass that looked greener on the other side pretty much dies on arrival. <laughs> Why? Because wherever you go, you are. Wherever you go, you are there. Okay? You are still there. You still have to deal with this guy and this guy. So some other situation, some other opportunity is not going to solve your problem. God will solve your problem. I saw this really cool meme. How many of y'all ever, ever see memes? Is that what they're called? Young people educate me. Not, well, I know mimes too. Mimes are like, like the white painted face people, right? They don't say anything. They're kind of creepy, yeah. Um, if you're a mime, I love you. God loves you, but don't come running at me. I might, I don't know. It's going to be hard to turn the other cheek on that one, you know. But I saw this meme. It was like, ultimate answers to tests, you know? And so it was like school teachers had taken these tests and they'd taken pictures of like the clever things that their students had written as answers, you know? And they were like workarounds because the child didn't know the answer, you know? So they were like, I'm gonna write this in. And it was so dope because this person, it was like some chemistry test or something, you know, just something incredibly complicated. And under every question they wrote, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then at the top of the test, it said, Jesus is the answer to everything. <laughs> I was just like, yeah! Who needs calculus? That's the truth! <laughs> I would have connected with that person, you know. Goodness gracious. But you know, bro, liberty, what? 
Christian center. We are centered around Christ. That's what we are about. We pursue Jesus, the exact image of God. That's our life. Okay, sorry. Uh, so, there may be excitement for a season, but upon arrival, if your heart isn't right, the grass begins to die. Even good opportunities without God evolve into problems. The answer to your problem is not another opportunity. It is God. I just want to read Isaiah 44, 3, and then we'll close. Uh, this says, I will pour out. So this is talking about the day that we're living in. It says, I will pour out water on the what? On the what land? On the thirsty land. And streams on the what? On the dry ground. Interesting. Listen, if your ground is dry, how about you call it thirsty? Hmm? And thirstiness points to, oh, that needs to be quenched, right? So who quenches it? I will pour out who? There's like six of y'all. Come on, man. It's six minutes after 12. I will pour out who? My spirit. That's Holy Spirit, baby. The Lord is saying, you got thirsty ground? Watch me. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I will pour out my spirit and bring life to that dry, thirsty ground. Guys, be encouraged. No matter what your ground looks like, your grass can be green when God's life, his power, his influence move in to any and every circumstance. He can take even bad things and work them together for good according to his purposes. That's so beautiful. That sets me free. That means even when I screw up, God can flip it and make something good out of it. Doesn't that set you free? Yeah. Now listen, we still ought to be like, yeah, Lord, lead me. I want to be led by you, genuinely. I wake up Sunday mornings, you guys, I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, lead me. Because there is no part of me that just wants to speak Stephen words to you. I promise you that. But I go, Lord, I want you to do something here. And in the midst of thirstiness, he quenches thirst and he actually works. And it's a beautiful thing. Let that be every moment, not just preaching. Let that be your interaction with the grocery people. For real. For, look people in the eyes. Did you hear me, Christians? Look people in the eyes. You, you actually, in the New Testament, there is a very serious emphasis put on looking people in the eyes. You'll see that in the book of Acts, Bible Gateway, that stuff. Look people in the eyes. Don't look down at the ground. Does this look like a, does this look like a God-filled face? How about this? Because this is more realistic. This, this, this is more realistic. You know what I mean? This is mostly what we do. Or perhaps it's this. Yeah, sure. Knock it off. Okay? 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 I'm not going to end this sermon with a knock it off, though. 
That's way too dangerous. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for quenching our thirst. We call ourselves thirsty. We want you, we need you, we trust you, we yield to you. We invite your presence and your influence in every aspect of our life. We yield to you. We yield to you. Show us when we're being dummies. Show us when our eyes get off of Jesus and onto something else and then just point them to Jesus because that's what you do. That's what Jesus said you would do and we just thank you for doing that. We call ourselves open to having the eyes of our heart enlightened. We no longer look around putting hope in all of the stuff. We put our hope in you and we thank you for leading us through all the stuff. We thank you for leading us in everything. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.